They say the world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task. Got it covered like a mask, guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I held from. I had to climb about the trenches, sit on benches, throw my time and come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day I'm like, bolt in the race, leave the track, flambe, it's the open run. Ever wonder who created the term za? I use my air quotes, shout out to Dwayne Watson. Like short for pizza. I feel it's dumb. It's as dumb as saying K instead of OK. One more syllable, one more letter. Too tired to say that? Is it kind of cool? There's nothing cool about za. It's corny. Who started that? Who started creating horseshoe toilet seats? I get the reason why they do it, but it doesn't makes sense to me no matter whether I get it or not. If you're in a hotel with a horseshoe toilet, you're in a trash hotel. It's probably a motel. Who started Embrace Debate Telejournalism, if we want to call it that? It started on radio, I know. I understand that the sports we're talking about are about combatants, opponents, whether it be boxing, football, baseball, basketball, whatever. But now your opinions have to battle and that creates eyeballs because People love train wrecks and people love drama. And it's made millionaires, multimillionaires out of several guys, guys who are the leaders in the Embrace Debate Sports Talk Stratosphere, like a Screaming A. Smith or a Water Pistol Pete Jr. Bayless. I want to give thanks to it because it gives me a job, one, gives me an opportunity to talk about it. And also, I want to think about this past weekend where some people talk about Thanksgiving. I just spend time with food and family. I don't really think about Thanksgiving. I give thanks every day for a chance and a choice to get up and do what I do to be better every single day. And it was a very emotional weekend last week with my family and saw a bona fide tough guy drop tears in my brother because he cares so much about the people around him and wants to see them win just like I do. It was an amazing time. I'm so proud to have been able to spend and share space and place with all my loved ones and my brother showed a level of leadership I hadn't really seen from him before, but he's a guy who was, at one time in my life, the most irresponsible person on the planet. Now is one of the most responsible. I felt like my dear old dad, bless his dad, was sitting there, and I guess I was sitting as proxy for him. I just sat and listened to him for 35 minutes, give a really impassioned speech about what it took to be what we're going to be, about how many more of these we have with my mother, who she's getting up there in age. We can't take for granted the time we have together. The burden of leadership ain't for everybody. Trust me. And in a discipline like basketball, the coaches do what they do, but they can't do what you need done on the court. It's the players. And generally, the guy who leads that charge is your point guard. Shouts out to one of my former point guards, the OG White Chocolate, my man Jason Hooten, head coach of the New Mexico State University Aggies, who had to play a game against Louisville recently with only four players. Now, it sounds good that you say that in the caption or something, but there's like 21 seconds left in the game, and six of his players have fouled out that game. I don't know if that's coaching or if that's bad refereeing or whatever, but six guys foul out in the game. That's deep. It was an overtime game too, but 
Coach had to play with four. So shout out to my man Jason Hooten. And also running into my first point guard in university, my man Dwayne Tanner, whose son is signed with Jerry Stackhouse and the Vanderbilt University Commodores. So shout out to DT and this entire family who poured a foundation for this young man. It's good seeing him. It's been a while. We talked about success a lot. How do you find that success? It starts somewhere. I enjoy the beginnings of things. How did I find my way to it? It was three steps. Always three steps. I stayed consistent with that. Set up, execution, follow through. Where most people fail is the follow through. For all that people claim that they want in this life, the magic you're looking for is hiding in the work that you're avoiding. Keep that in mind. And let's do work. I like being first at everything except being last. Whether it be doing the first ever online concert in black music history, February 18th, 1997, with Dennis Coles, Corey Woods, and Daryl Hill. You might know them better as Ghostface, Raekwon, and Capadonna of Wu-Tang Clan. And we'll talk about another Raekwon a little bit later in the podcast. Being the first ever president of the Urban Music Association of Canada, or teaching and creating the world's first university-accredited course on hip-hop culture. I know you've heard me say this before. I'm saying it again. I'm giving thanks. But things end. All of them. So we had to create new traditions with my family during the holidays. When that time comes that moms is no longer with us and we have to be the anchors. But hopefully what will never end is the podcast where basketball and life are one and where you find your news, views, and truths on the NBA and beyond. It is The Open Run with Will Strickland. That would be me. The Open Run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at One Neighborhood. One Neighborhood coming to a neighborhood near you very, very soon. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter, Will Strickland and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found, but right now exclusively at Anchor.fm, a Spotify podcast network. All things do end, even good things. But what about the saga of Christopher Emmanuel Paul and NBA referee Scott Foster? There's a running gag online that any game that Scott Foster is refereeing where Chris Paul, especially a key playoff game or something like that, they're going to lose the game. You can bet on it. The betting lines are crazy on it. And this was no different. In a recent game, Chris Paul and Scott Foster got into a little kerfuffle. He was thrown out of the game because he allegedly said something about Chris Paul's son. You can't violate. There's certain things you can say about a guy, but you don't talk about his family. And Chris Paul was like, you're a bitch. And he's calling him all these names. In the post game, which he's definitely going to get fined for, said it was personal, said Scott Foster had something against him. And here's the issue with that. If the NBA acts on this and makes sure he never calls another game in which Chris Paul is playing, the floodgates open. Every other guy who claimed they might have an issue with Scott Foster will say, oh, well, Scott Foster has something personal against me. Don't let him referee my games and manipulate the system in that way. The NBA won't do it. But it is curious that that is a thing. And the fact that that number is so high, I can get it if it was like a small sample size. It's more of a sample size, so maybe there is some truth to it. When you include the human element in adjudication, you're definitely going to get a bias here and there. This is a serious bias against Chris Paul. Let's just call it what it is. What about the bias against Mark Jackson? People said there's a bias against him, but he made homophobic statements years ago as the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. There was a lot of turmoil in his assistant coaching ranks, as well as the front office. 
Rick Welts at the time, who was the president of the team, came out as gay. People worked with him for years, didn't care. And Mark Jackson, who held fast to his religious beliefs, said that it was a problem for him. He knew too, though. And he still took the job. But the gift and the curse of Mark Jackson and Golden State actually changed the NBA, whether people believe that or not. Because there was a young man by the name of Wardell Stephen Curry II, who was injury-prone in the early part of his career. A unique talent, but was he worth keeping on the roster because he couldn't stay on the floor? There's an opportunity for Golden State to trade this young man to Milwaukee, where they had another young man coming in from Greece by the name of Giannis Siena Ugo Laterence Atentacumpo. Imagine that if they had grown up playing together in Milwaukee. But it didn't happen. The guy who said, let's keep this guy, and then he gave his job, his career, and his life to World of Stephen Curry, to Clay Alexander Thompson, to his kid named Draymond Jamal Green Sr., and said, we're going to play through you guys, and we're going to win this way. And they started winning. And then Mark Jackson's internal problems showed up. But the guy who made that happen, who made Golden State happen, the way we're seeing it now, the beginning of that, it's no question, it's Mark Jackson. And Draymond Green is going out, kicking guys in the nuts, getting kicked in the nuts himself recently as well, and even choking out Booty Gobert. Says he has no regrets. He doesn't live with regrets, and he shouldn't. He didn't start that way. He's definitely not going to finish that way. What about Greg Popovich admonishing his crowd for booing Kawhi Anthony Leonard, a guy who brought them a championship when he was there in the finals MVP and the great Timothy Theodore Duncan was there. Hall of Famer Emmanuel David Ginobili was there. Eventual Hall of Famer William Anthony Parker. Tony Parker will be there. Guy who should have been on the top 75 team, Tony Parker. Four championship ring, Tony Parker. Says, stop booing him. Why are you booing him? Because he left? It's so tired. It's a tired trope. He says, that's not us. Show some class. Well, fans are supposed to boo. But for the reason they're booing, I guess, is why he's admonishing them. Where'd that start? Oh, free agency when guys left because they went to a different job and they didn't do what you wanted them to do with their lives? Ah, okay, I got it. What about fans who go at Russell Westbrook's family in his name? You can't do that. The Brody is going to go into the stands and let you know. He's been in a couple of incidents in his career. Here's the man who's closing in on the top 25 all-time scoring list, a guy who couldn't shoot when he came into the NBA, who was known for his defense at UCLA. He's about to be a top 25 scorer in all time. Although it was kind of bad that they lost last night with four future Hall of Famers. Three of them at least first ballot Hall of Famers. And Russell Westbrook, James Edward Harden Jr., Kawhi Anthony Leonard, and Paul Anthony George. Who depleted Denver Nuggets team with no Nicola Germain, that's J-apostrophe-M-A-Y-N-E. No Jamal Murray, no Aaron Gordon, and Reggie Jackson, their former charge in Clipperland. Clipper Nation lamented letting him go because they gave him life again in the NBA. Gave them 35 big ones with the big gun and sat them down. But people are going at Russell's family at the end of the game. He has to be pulled away from some fan talking crazy about his family. Cheer and boo. Have a good time in the game, but don't make it personal. You can't. You're violating. There's a line you can't step over. And I think people, because they play fantasy basketball and they're so close to these players, they feel like they can step that line. Better watch it. You won't pick the right one one day. Trust that. And then the kerfuffle, I like that word kerfuffle for some odd reason, over Kyrie's kefia. If you know what a kefia is, it is a traditional headdress. A lot of Arab people, in particular Palestinians, wear this kefia. And Kyrie Irving went to a post-game conference and he was wearing one. And Kyrie likes to stoke the fires for sure. And 
with everything that's going on in Palestine right now between Hamas and Israel. He was standing in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Some people took offense to that. I guess you got to choose a side in the brace debate. But he's just saying I'm standing in solidarity with these people and it became a political statement. But when Louis Vuitton puts a kefia out for sale and they charge you a thousand dollars for it, it's fashion forward. In the most gross co-options and cultural appropriations, it's okay. But when you stand up for something, especially if you look the way he looks, and you know what his history is with these kinds of things, or the Amazon, there's going to be a lot of heat. He knew what he's doing. He's very calculated. But again, these fans are out of pocket. And maybe it's the media too, because University of California's Fardaz Amak, and I might be saying that wrong, from Richmond, B.C., British Columbia, playing for the Cal Bears of Mark Matson, he cannot dance, was called a terrorist by a fan in the game versus UTEP recently because he looked different. When you see that most of the terrorism that happens in America comes from people who don't look like him. And I don't want to make this a big political statement because, you know, we're supposed to keep sports and politics separate. What we won't separate is the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond. So come back for more on the other side of this on The Open Run with Will Strickland. Right about now, we're about ready to blow up the spot. Back giving you more of what you asked for. It's The Open Run with Will Strickland in conversation with you, the listener, because it's cathartic and therapeutic, no doubt. As we talk some NCAA basketball on the men's side of things, I want to talk about an issue, kind of like the Scott Foster Chris Paul issue and how the NBA should adjudicate if they do it all. A young man by the name of Raekwon Battle. I wonder how many Raekwons we've seen in shacks we've seen recently in the NFL and NBA. There have been several. If you guys know who those are, I can throw some other ones out here. Hit me on my social media. I'm not that hard to find. But Raekwon Battle of the Western Virginia Mountaineers, his third team, as he's employed the transfer portal quite liberally leaving Montana State to go to play for WVU, said the NCAA failed him when they denied his transfer and his request to play immediately, that it affected his mental health. Now, that's a very slippery slope to go down to accuse a young man of manipulating the system in order to get what he wanted. But we've seen several cases like this now. The players are saying, oh, the coach, if I didn't have the coach, I I just wasn't going to function properly. And if people who knew my life, and again, it's so hard to say, nah, That ain't it. But it does look suspect sometimes when these guys don't get what they want. So mental health ends up being something they crutch on. If I'm going to take an L on this, so be it. But some things just don't pass the smell test for me. I mean, if you transfer in multiple schools and you want to be a professional student and you want to go there and you say, hey, I want to play right away because you think it will increase your chances to play professionally or or in the NBA, uh, okay, I guess you got to do what you got to do. But you also have to take the good with the bad in that, and if the bad is, you get an accused of manipulating the idea of mental health and your wellness. Just to get a spot to play basketball? Yeah, I'm gonna say something about it. But someone who is not violating his health is Jawan Howard, head coach of the University of Michigan Wolverines. Go blue all day, every day, you know what I do. Back on the bench, observing his team after a serious heart procedure to fix an aortic valve in his heart. The former Fab Fiver from the university is looking forward to a solid season for the University of Michigan. Big Ten is serious 
very serious conference. Zach Eady at the head of the number one team in the country, the Purdue Boilermakers. We'll talk about them shortly. Welcome back, Jamon. And want to shout out a young man who was highlighted as one of the new Nike NIL recipients, Dewan Wagner Jr., or DJ Wagner, the Southeastern Conference Freshman of the Week this past week, averaging 25 points and six assists a night down there in the Bluegrass State for the season. In a couple of games so far, 15 points, two rebounds, four assists for DJ Wagner. My nephews were playing 2K24, and I guess you can match up all these guys who went to the University of Kentucky. If you think about University of Kentucky guards in the NBA right now, you play a nice four-on-four match between Devin Booker versus Jamal Murray, put De'Aaron Fox versus Jake Gilgis-Alexander, Tyrese Maxey versus Emmanuel Quickly, Tyler Hero versus Malik Monk. That would be a hell of a four-on-four game. I'm sure they play those summer league games or summer pickup runs at the university to help out Coach Calipari, and uh, it's a good look. It is point guard you, it is guard you, if you want to call it that, down there in Lexington. But shouts out to DJ Wagner and the University of Kentucky Wildcats. Also, salute to Fran Dumphy, current head coach of the LaSalle Explorers, for winning his 600th game as a college basketball head coach and his third Big Five team now in that area of Philadelphia. They used to play at the Palestra, which is a legendary basketball gym in the city of Philadelphia. And a lot of those schools shared that gym. He's coached three of the five, including UPenn, Temple, taking over the legendary John Chaney, and, of course, LaSalle. So shout out to Coach. There are like six or seven coaches right now over the age of 70 with 3,000-plus wins who are still coaching basketball at the college level. So salute to them, except for three stacks. I can care less about Ricky three stacks at St. John's. That's just me. But what I do care about is the Power Five this week on the men's side of the NCAA at number one, the Purdue Boilermakers. They took out some very stiff competition out there in Hawaii, defeating Gonzaga, Rick Barnes University of Tennessee Volunteers, and Shaka Smarts, Marquette Warriors, in 11 days. So salute to Matt Painter and the reigning and defending National Player of the Year, Zach Eady, for that number one spot at number two, Arizona, Tommy Lloyd. Has them playing well. And again, I talked about the Sabrina Inescu's. Those are hot. And number three, Marquette. Shaka Smart wanted to fight when they upset then number one, Kansas University. I think it was his name. Kevin McWellers says something that bench during the game after making a big three. And Shaka Smart did not like it. He was ready to rumble with his little ass. And number three, Marquette. And number four, UConn. Dan Hurley. Has his guys winning 24 straight non-conference games by double figures, a new NCAA record, only seconded by the University of North Carolina Tar Heels back in 2008-2009 with 23 straight wins. So salute to them. And at number five, the Kansas University Jayhawks in a big matchup versus UConn this upcoming Friday. So look forward to that. And I look forward to you coming back for more of the open run with Will Strickland. You're now listening to the sounds of the open run with Will Strickland, where the lecture is conducted from the mic into the speaker in conversation with you, the listener, and with myself, because it is cathartic. Talk about some women's basketball. Go, ladies, on the NCAA side of things. Yes. Angel, who? 
LUS, University of Louisiana, Sauteron. LSU, missing Angel Reese for her fourth straight game. When she's coming back, Ken Mulkey will never tell. But Anissa Morrow is doing her thing down there, dropping 27-10 and 10 in the last three games this past week, including one big 37-point and 16-rebound outing versus the University of Virginia Cavaliers. Indeed, Angel who for the time being. And I don't want this to malign her in any way. It's easy to talk about the stats and that she's not there. We don't know what's going on. They're not going to say she's suspended. It's easier to make her look like the bad guy in this. And she is. Maybe she is. Because she hasn't released anything about it. Hadn't said a word. Who knows what's going on there. I don't know. But doesn't make Kim Mulkey look good. Doesn't make Angel Reese look good. Doesn't make the athletic department there in Baton Rouge look good. It is what it is. And Juju, do the voodoo that you do each and every game, third straight game, for this freshman of the year. She's the best freshman in basketball right now, and arguably top three, top four basketball player in college basketball right now. Three straight games of 30-plus points tying the record set at the University of Southern California by the great Lisa Leslie and Paula McGee, as freshman who did that. Right now, Juju Watkins is leading the now sixth-ranked USC Trojans to a ranking they have not had in 29 years. The last time they were ranked this high, they were number four 29 years ago. So salute to Juju. Keep doing what you do. And let's talk about that Power Five because there's a lot to go on in the Power Five on the women's side at number one. The other USC, University of South Carolina, number one team in the land, undisputed. Although a game they played this past week. They won 101 to 19 over Mississippi Valley State. Maybe Coach Dawn was doing that team a favor that to get them some money and some exposure, but that's pretty bad. They're not going to help recruiting at Mississippi Valley State. Shouts out to Jerry Rice at the Mississippi Valley State. I don't know anybody else who went there. But University of South Carolina has five players averaging double figures, including their leader, Camilla Cardozo, giving you 17 of them big things every single night. The balance on this squad makes it tough to defend anyone because they can all score, they can all rebound, they can all pass. It's truly a team game down there in Columbia, South Carolina. At number two, UCLA, the Bruins, after they defeated the then number eight ranked UConn Huskies, who are injury prone again this season. AZ fought out for the year again with torn ACL. Kiki Rice did work for UCLA, 24 points, 11 rebounds, and eight assists. Paige Beckers put up math in that game, 31 points on 9 of 23 shooting. But Leah Edwards, National Player of the Year candidate, didn't help her out. 2 for 12 from the field. There's going to have to be a lot of trust from Gina Oriema and those young ladies in stores, Connecticut. At number 3, Stanford, Tara Vanderveer, always in the mix. Cameron Brink, doing work. Some people say the number one pick in the WNBA draft this year. Could happen, could happen. At number 3, at number 4, the Iowa Hawkeyes. The best player in the country, the reigning and defending National Player of the Year, Caitlin Clark, giving you 32 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals versus the Kansas State Wildcats. Recently, she's doing work, easily the leading scorer in the country. She puts that thing up, no doubt. And at number 5, the hottest team in college basketball, men's or women's, unquestionably, going from unranked to top 5 right now at number 5. After winning a big game over the team that defeated the LSU Tigers at the beginning of the season, the Colorado Buffaloes were ranked at number five at the time, and North Carolina State 
super duper hot. Asia Jones gave you 17 and a big win over Colorado. Sanaya Rivers doing her thing. And of course, the coach, Wes Moore, in his 11th season in Raleigh, North Carolina, heading the Wolfpack, who are on the hunt. But it's early in the season, and it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And we're going to finish strong here on the open run with Will Strickland. So come back for more on the other side. You know the rest. It is now winning time on the open run with Will Strickland. I want to thank you, the listener, for hanging out and being a part of the experience that is the open run. So, with no further ado, it is now time for the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond. And the Grizzlies are so beat up that they signed two hardship exemptions to their squad with no Stone Cold Stephen Grizzly Adams for the rest of the season. Brandon Clark still out, Marcus Smart still out, Demetrius Jamel Morant still out, not because of an injury, but because of an injury to his reputation. The Grizzlies window is closed. I hate to say it, but I feel sad and I want to call this an injury, but with the Detroit Pistons on a 14-game winning strike, that can be called an injury too. What is Monty Williams going to do? Is he on the hot seat already? Has he lost the locker room? 14 straight is crazy. Doesn't do a whole lot for the morale of the squad down there in the ATL. Jalen Johnson, who's been playing well at the new power forward for the Hawks, out four to six weeks with a serious left wrist sprain and being reevaluated in one week because of a calf strain. Chris Tapps Porzingis, 3-6 Lafayette. As we go to the Rookie of the Year watch, welcome back Scoot Henderson. Rated up and they had the 2K goggles on after a G League stint that got him ready post-injury. Look, we could ride this kid forever and say that he's terrible. He's a bust. It's early. We are so quick to microwave a kid's career before he gets started. But welcome back, Scoot. And shout out to Asar Thompson. I know I talked about the Pistons in their 14-game winning strike, but Asar Thompson's been a bright spot for them. Giving you 11 points and 9 rebounds a night. Is the leader in steals and rebounds for rookies in the league. He's a wing player. If you're getting 10 rebounds with your three-man, you're doing a great job. Plus, he's one of the best young defenders in the NBA and got praise from a guy whose game he could pattern himself after, Draymond Jamal Green Sr. He said, how are we not talking about Asar Thompson enough? Is it because it's about points? Okay, I get it. It's also about a 14-game winning strike. You can put up numbers on a bad team, but these numbers mean something because this guy is still learning how to play NBA basketball. So shouts out to Asar Thompson. Also shouts out to my man, Jaime Jaquez Jr. down there on South Beach, 11-4 and for the Miami Heat right now. He's going to be an integral part of what they do. He's strong. I like the way he plays. Like I said, he has this guy wears the headband at the park, can hoop. He took the sleeve off of his t-shirt and wrapped it around his head like Demi Sosa does in full court 21 at times. That's who I see in Jaime Jaquez. So shout out to him. But we know that the rookie that everyone wants to see, who's averaging 19 points and 10 rebounds in San Antonio, even though they're not winning, is Victor Wembanyama. The guy who could be Rookie of the Year, the best second-year, first-year player in the league right now, Chet Holmgren, who is giving you 18 points, 9 rebounds. Like, he's doing his job, but just this past weekend, gave 33 of them big things, along with 6 rebounds and 3 blocks, to Joel Hans Embiid, the reigning and defending MVP of the National Basketball Association. But he's also shooting over 55% from the field, 45% from 3, and 90% from the free throw line. As a rookie, crazy. If that doesn't help him lead the charge for the Rookie of the Year, I don't know what does. 
some milestones to discuss as Kevin Wayne Durant should be saluted for surpassing the Big E on the all-time NBA scoring list. Now currently at number 11 behind Moses Malone. He's going to pass him soon. He's like 47 points away from passing Moses and being behind Carmelo Kayam Anthony for ninth place on the all-time scoring list. So shout out to KD. I wonder where he's going to end up by the end of this season. Could be around seventh. Shout out to KD. And shout out to the hashtag, the first man to ever reach an eclipse, 39,000 points in the NBA, as well as the all-time leader in total minutes played in the NBA at 66,319 minutes. He eclipsed that in a game. They got rinsed by 44 points against the Philadelphia 76ers, and I don't think he recorded a rebound. I don't think I've ever seen a game where the hashtag he was champion name didn't get a rebound. That was pretty bad, man. But salute to both of these guys. And listen, the beginnings of things... 2003, 2007, 2009, the time set. The hashtag, Kim Wayne Durant, what else Stephen Curry came to the league. These guys are playing on autopilot right now. They are. They're just playing because they know how. It's just easy for them to do it. And we're going to miss them when they're gone. But embrace them and love them while they're here. I'm trying to tell you, it's going to be a different thing. What is different right now is the game of the week this past week. And I could have picked from several. But I picked the Boston-Milwaukee matchup mostly because of the trade that happened and looking at Dame Lillard and Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday said, hey, look, it's great playing in Milwaukee, but it would have been nice to have a heads up about the trade before it happened. You know, this trade doesn't go down without the approval of one Giannis Sina Ugo Latentacumpa. So maybe there's some stuff between them too. Who knows? I'm not going to create drama. I'm not about that life. But... That game of the week was something else because we also saw Giannis and Adrian Griffin spat because Giannis didn't want to come out of the game. They called it a spat. It was corny. His coach said, come out of the game. Best player wants to stay in the game. Coach is thinking about the team. Giannis eventually comes out. He's shaking his head, but that was it. That happens all the time. Doesn't mean there's a rift in the locker room. And the Bucks are actually playing better now that they're learning one another. You see Malik Beasley's confidence growing, but the game of the week, Boston over Milwaukee, 119-116. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and the others, and the others are playing well. Shout out to the timeless Al Horford. Not playing on autopilot, but somebody you're going to miss because he's a key part to a team that's going to compete for the NBA championship this year. As we go into our power 10 in the association this week, at number one, the Celtics, of course. At number two, the best defensive team in the league, led by Booty Gobert, the Minnesota Timberwolves. At number three, Jamal Mosley, Franz Wagner, Paolo Banquero. I talked about them last week with my man Mike Miguelito. Patton from a, touring the AFC South, a football guy who talks all kinds of sports down there in Nashville, Tennessee. But the Orlando Magic on a seven-game losing strike. Yes, the Orlando Magic at number three this week. At number four, the Milwaukee Bucks. At number five, the OKC Thunder. Even with all the distractions around them, they're still holding firm. At number six, heating up right now. Whether Bradley Emmanuel Beal, Kevin Wayne Durant, or Devin Armani Booker have played together, it doesn't matter Big shot hit in MSG by Devin Booker, a.k.a. Light Skin Kobe. Shout out to Warren Ward. Said he felt like a part of history now that he hit that big shot over a double team in MSG to win the game with no Kevin Durant, who's still suffering from a foot injury. Been out a couple of games. He'll be back soon. But at number six, the Phoenix Suns. And number seven, the Philadelphia 76ers. That one-two punch of Embiid and Maxi is something else. Can they get consistent help from the guys around them, the others? That's what we'll find out. I don't know about that bench. At number eight, the reigning and defending NBA champion, Denver Nuggets. Big win, as I said earlier, over the Clippers with no Nikola, no Jamal, no Aaron, no problem. 
at number nine, the Sacramento Kings. I like the way that Mike Brown has those guys playing. They're playing defense. Their bench mob is good. And this year, they look really, really solid as a starting five at number nine the Sacramento Kings. And number 10, I really had some issues with who I selected, even though the Dallas Mavericks are there at number 10. You know, I thought about the Miami Heat. They've lost two straight. I thought about what happened to the Lakers, who got washed on Monday night. The Dallas Mavericks just made the most sense to me right now, although they're going to miss Derek Lively, who's gotten injured a couple times early in the season. And he's 19 years old, but those injuries are concerning to me. But we'll have them at number 10, of course, Luka and Kyrie Irving. It's hard to beat that backcourt. Before we get out of here, the NBA has opened up an investigation into the alleged underage sex scandal involving Josh Kitty of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now they say sex scandal because that's the TMZ drama of it. But we have to be careful when we're talking about a minor, seeing that the young lady who he may or may not have been involved with is underage. She was underage when he first met her. He's underage now as a junior in high school. Josh Giddy, 21 years old. I'm not going to speak on sketchy information until all of it comes out. And there's been some online litigators. Watch a lot of Judge Mathis and Law and Order SVU or some shit. Who are mad at Malika Andrews for not speaking enough about the Josh Giddy situation. But she was all over any black guy who gets in trouble in the NBA, whether it be Kyrie or anyone else. And I get that they have an issue because she's related to Dave McMenamin. Or they feel like she's a Candace Owens of <laughs> basketball reporting. I get it. But any solid journalist worth his or her salt knows that you don't step out on a report without having all the information unless you want to get written into the ground after you find out that what you stepped out on because you want to be first, because you want to embrace debate, not worth the problems. She's doing her due diligence. The NBA's doing their due diligence in terms of optics. It was not a good look for Josh Kitty and Mark Daniel to throw the no comment up about what was going on there. But understand it from an investigative standpoint. There's a personal matter, as Mark was saying, and needs to be handled internally. I don't know. Allegations of underage sex have all kinds of people in prison right now. Some of them you might know. And I want to see how this all plays out. But we're just at the beginning of things. And eventually, all things end. Like this podcast this week. So until next week, do remember, do what's popular with the population. Make sure you don't get beat off the dribble. And keep listening to the podcast where basketball and life are one. It is the open run with Will Strickland. Rich kid, my mellow, my man. Do what you do when you do it, sir. Easy.